please take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. If you don't have one, uh, if you don't have a Bible, we'd like to give you one. There's one in the pew in front of you. Just, we'd like you to take it if you don't have one. Uh, we want you to have a Bible. And um, if you have one and you didn't bring one, come up to the front right now. Lorraine, do you have yours? Okay. It's checking on the pastor's wife. Okay. We are going to talk today about the wonder of access with God. The wonder of access with God. You know, um, it is so much fun to hear our little grandkids learn a new word. Not the word no, but any word other than no. <laughs> but it's really, really fun to hear them say it over and over again. And, um, uh, and then here we are, grandma and grandpa mimicking them, you know, saying the same thing with the same inflection in, in their voice. And we're trying to say that, you know, and, you know, it's just fun, <laughs> a lot of fun doing that with our grandkids. I hope we aren't doing that 15 years from now with our grandkids. Um, the reason is, they'll be talking in a different way. And they'll be talking like young adults, Lord willing. <laughs> and so, we want to um, enjoy that time with them now, as little children learning to talk. But we expect them to talk in such a way later on in life that shows that they're maturing and growing. And today, we're going to uh, make that thought towards this subject on prayer. All of us, as children of God, need to be talking to God. We have to be talking to God. Some talk to God in little baby language, and that's fine. But if you've been a believer for any length of time, you want to be talking to God in a, in a bit different way, more in, instructed by the things of God's Word. And so today we look at a prayer that Paul, it, it just he can't wait to pray now. He's laid out Ephesians 1 and 2. He's laid it out and said, Here you are as a believer in Christ, Here's all the blessings. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You believer, you have them. This is yours because of Christ. That's what he's laid out. Now he's, he's saying he, he, he couldn't hardly stop himself from mentioning it in, at the beginning of chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He's about ready to pray right there. But then he backs up and gives a little rabbit trail, as we talked about last week, regarding why he's suffering and why he's in this ministry. And this is something that we understand that he, Jesus, strengthens us by his grace for you and I to go through the difficulties of life. You and I gain strength to know what we just sang. Some of you were shedding tears. At that moment. And you know the reality of 
the truth that he never once left you. He never once forsaked you. Even though you thought that he did, never did he forsake you. He is not, you know, I have to keep in mind, you know, these challenges in life, you know, is God greater than anything? Yep. Then why didn't he, da-da-da-da-da-da, why, how come he didn't do this? You know, that, yeah, you can ask that question. Uh, you know, the idea isn't to put God in the corner and say, God, why didn't you do what I wanted you to do? No, he's working all things for what? For your sake or my sake? No, his glory. Don't forget that. He's working all things for his glory. So the more that you can reflect what God's doing in your life, in situations, wonderful ones or difficult ones, just reflect his, his goodness. Reflect what he's doing, saying, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. And so we, we want to grow in prayer. That's what Paul's doing here. He turns and finally comes to this in verse 14. Look at it. Chapter 3, verse 14 in Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, this section is the proper response. This prayer that he's just given us, this is the proper response to what we have read and studied to this point in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Because of this doctrine, because of the believer's position in Christ, now let's pray. That's, in essence, what he's saying. So, I believe there's, well, here's my outline for you to consider. Number one, the commitment to prayer found in verse 14 and 15. Number two, the content of prayer, of our prayers in verses 16 through 19. And then finally, the crown of our prayers in verses 20 through 21. So we start with number one. In your outline, in your bulletin, if you want to follow along, the commitment to prayer is being His that's what brings about the commitment to prayer. Because we're children of God. He's, that, that's what I said. He's already laid this out in chapters 1 and 2. For most all of you, you, you are claiming and professing faith in Christ. You are children of God, if that's the case. If you've acknowledged your sin and acknowledged He is the sin bearer and He bore your punishment and your sin and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're His child. You walk by faith. You understand that here's what he's done. And he's, he's saying, for this reason. We could say, well, he's just looking at chapter 2 and saying this is why he's uh, given us for this reason again. I believe it's, it's everything he said to this point. 
So I was once an enemy of God. I was once at odds with God. I was once lost. But now I'm found. I'm forgiven. I'm pardoned. I'm justified by faith in Christ. He saved me. (laughs) So not just to rescue me, but he washed and forgave me and adopted me. I'm his child. And through faith in Christ, I'm in his family. I can call him father. The song says in the hymn book, I am his and what? He is mine. I have that confidence. That's what every Christian ought to have. That kind of confidence. I am his and he is mine. It's all because of his work. This is my identity. So this is who I am. And thus I pray. It's not like uh, some of you say, well, you know, it's just for the really serious people that pray. No, we all pray. The idea is to get away from just the, the foxhole mentality of prayer and to move into a prayer life, a commitment of prayer life. Not just calling out when you need help. I'm his, letter A. Letter B, being humble is another part of the commitment to prayer. What does he say there? I bow my knees. Okay? I bow my knees. It's a physical act that comes from a humble heart. He's not just doing it to show off. Here's the the attitude in his heart. Knowing that Christ's work is out of his love to save us. Okay? The humble heart must be a constant attitude in the life of the believer. Not just a once in a while thing. No, it's a constant effort, a constant response of what God's done to, to respond in humility. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Humility, as far as characteristics go, is your best friend. Humility. And pride, your pride, my pride, is your worst enemy. That doesn't mean you slough off. No, we still work hard. We still do our best, all those things. But just remember, pride is your enemy. You don't need a whole lot of Satan tripping you up. You've got the problem of your pride. And it pops up in all sorts of ways, all sorts of shades, all sorts of fashions, you know, all all sorts of ways. So the Bible calls us to humble ourselves before God's almighty hand and he'll pour out his grace. You know, remember, you and I brought nothing into this world. You know, when Evangeline was born, it's not like she brought her, you know, her luggage into this world. (laughs) She, you know, and whenever she is taken or any one of us, it's not like we're taking anything with us. You know, (laughs) first Timothy six, seven says that we brought nothing into this world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. But when he came, what did he bring? When he came, he brought salvation. He brought love and mercy and grace. He came full of grace and truth. (laughs) He brought redemption and, and mercy and grace for you and I. Humbling attitude in prayer. Humble attitude in prayer then develops deeper gratitude. You want to be thankful this week? Hopefully you're not just thankful this week, you're thankful all year round. But especially we heighten it up this week. Thanksgiving comes. And you think about, oh, what do I be thankful? Well, it, it really starts with this. You know, a humble attitude in praying develops a deeper gratitude for all that he's done. Stop and think of the things that he's done. Go back to Ephesians 1 and just read that. Read Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. Read that and say, 
gee, what has God done? And turn around and pray. Pray right there. Don't wait. Pray right then and there. Give Him thanks. A lot of time we, we're so, you know, organized in our minds. We say, well, I've got to wait till Sunday morning to pray. No, you know that. You don't wait till Sunday morning to pray. You pray right there. You say, God, thank you for the riches of your grace. Get more and more specific. So, a humble heart, humble attitude. Then letter C, being reverent. Oh my goodness, folks, we're in a day and age where reverence is kind of out the door. We, we, we don't see that much anymore. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. There's reverence. That's the beginning of wisdom. Grow in that. Okay? He's the creator. He's the life giver. And under him, every family in heaven and on earth, the Christian families, Christian families derives its name. We go by the name of Christian. We go by the name of Jesus. In his name, we bear the name of Christ in our lives. That's the idea. So the more we bow in reverence, in godly fear, the more we grow in that fear of the Lord. He's a holy God. And in our day and age, we've, that's been changed and transformed into something that's really trite, flippant. We want to be a people that are truly awed before a holy God. Why? Well, because he's really holy. Really, really, really holy. You know, he doesn't have to improve on holiness he doesn't have to take some pills and vitamins to get better at holiness. He's perfect in his holiness. He hasn't aged in it and lost kind of the, the holiness factor in his life. He hasn't, no, no. He, he does not grow in that way at all. He is always the same. This is how my prayer life ought to be characterized by through knowing that I'm His, having a confidence that I'm His, and secondly, that there's a humility factor involved. I'm humbling myself as I come into prayer time. I humble myself. And then I have reverence for a holy God. Number two, the content of our prayers. Okay. Look at verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. He says that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Here's the love to know, verse 19, to know the love of Christ. So, what do we typically pray about? And, folks, here is what... Any prayer in the Bible, you can glean you can glean from it by studying the prayer and saying gee how did nehemiah pray how did daniel pray how did paul pray look at how he prayed here's the content of his prayer the ingredients of prayer in our day and age has gotten watered down it's just gotten watered down and it's got too much of me oh bless me oh give me Help me. Oh, it's, it, and I understand. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. I need, I need to pray about my life and, and what's going on in my life, right? We all do. But all too often, it's just dominated by give me, help me, 
bless me. And, you know, we need to remember, here's the content of our prayers given by Paul. Letter A, it's based on his supply. What we pray about, we need to understand, is based on his source, his resource, his supply. Okay? And so we start with, you know, under letter A, it's about his blessings. (laughs) Has he missed anything? In blessing your life? Has God missed something? Has he forgotten something? No. He's blessed you richly. We just don't figure it out. We can't, you know, identify exactly what it is, you know, that God's really blessed us with. And the more we just keep it simple and say, God, thank you for, here's this oatmeal I have on, the, on in the bowl. Hey, that's good. We've got oatmeal. Thank you, God. Thank you for the simple things in life. Okay, it's implied here with that in verse 13, I'm sorry, not 13, 16, that he would grant you. There it's, there's, it's, it's implied there that he's going to grant you. He's going to give unto you, right? So also then it's according to his riches of his, the, the riches of his glory. It's according to the riches of his glory. So a source of blessing that Never runs out. It never dries up. It's according to the riches of his glory, which you cannot measure. You cannot fathom. (laughs) And so we pray in that way, with that in mind, right? Is this what I consider when I pray? Is this what you consider when you pray? That God is ready to grant his blessings according to the riches of his glory. It's like, you know, I mean, this is a terrible example, but just like being able to say, I, I, I don't have to pay gasoline. I just keep, you know, going there free. I, I just get poured in, in my gas tank and it, there's no end. That, it, it, this is even, this is far, far better. We, we come to him recognizing his supply of his blessing. It, it never runs out. Okay. So, it should affect, having this understanding should affect this outlook of our, of our prayer life. That should affect how we pray. It serves as a constant expectation of hope when we pray. Understanding that this is who God is and what He's wanting to do with His children. Don't get it confused with the health, wealth, prosperity thing. Don't go there with this. That's a bunch of hogwash. Okay? We just say, God, do your work. You know, I, I'm facing whatever good things or difficult trials or whatever, but I'm going to keep my focus on you. It's also based, the content of our prayers is based on what we understand is our letter B, our need, our genuine need. And there's a difference, folks. There's a difference here. You know, what we think is our need versus what God says is really our need. And Paul reveals that to us. Paul prays for four spiritual needs here in this passage. Uh, so under number two, letter B, is the strength in the inner man. For strength in the inner man. The inner man is where the battles are won or lost. The inner man is not referring to gender, but your inner person, the real you, your heart. 
Every Christian needs continual strengthening in the inner person to fight well. You've got a battle every day to fight. And it's not primarily against Satan and his demons. It's against your own natural tendencies, your way. Okay? Our own strengthening efforts cause real problems when we put our, the arm of the flesh into ministry. When we put the arm of the flesh into ministry, then we kind of mess things up. But God's strengthening efforts, what does that do? God's strengthening efforts bring about holiness. He's, he's into a holy church. He wants a holy people. And so the, the work of God in strengthening His people is about holiness, growing in holiness. And His strength program, His strength program happens only with the Holy Spirit. Only with the Holy Spirit. Some of you uh, show up at an ungodly hour at Brennan Beheimer's place and do a workout. Okay? And uh, we see the difference. You don't see it here. We see, I see it here. From, you know, never mind. But what we have here with God's strengthening of the inner man, it's only by way of the Holy Spirit working in your life. And He wants to bring about holiness. He wants to bring about a reflection of His Son in your life. He wants to see Jesus in you. So, remember, it's only by the strength of the Spirit of God that brings about the strengthening of the inner man. That's what we need. That's what we pray for. That's what you pray for your partner. You know, your, your brother, your sister, your, your, your family. You pray. God, strengthen them in the inner man. Then number two. For Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. When a person comes to faith in Christ, we understand that our heart, we say it this way, our heart is his home. Our heart is his home. You are not your own person. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It's his and so, you know, for all of us, young people, middle-aged people, old people, we need to remember, we are not our own. The more you, young people, the more you say that to yourself and remind yourself of that. If you're truly a believer, you just keep saying this. I'm not my own. I'm his. I'm going to look to him for what he would have me to do. I want to trust him. I want to praise him. I want to reflect Christ in my life. And that all comes back to here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that... God would strengthen me in the inner man. That Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. And the word to dwell is the idea of being at home. Okay? When he comes in, when he comes into a person's life, he does not just blend in with all the stuff in your room. He doesn't just blend in and say, hey, I'm just at home now. That's not what Christ does. He's not a roommate. In your life. He's Lord. He's Master. And how do we treat Him? We treat Him like a good old roommate. 
We need to treat him as Lord and Master because that's what he is. A roommate, by the way, doesn't get to have full access to your stuff, does he? Or her. You know, you're not going to let your roommate just dive into all your personal stuff. Well, the Lord does, though. He wants to dive into all your stuff. He wants to go into every room. He wants to go down into the back closet. He wants to be what? Lord. Not a roommate. And faith in Him is the key. We're so prone to live by our natural desires. We're so prone to live by our feelings. And it's saying here that Christ, we want to pray that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. He comes to make our hearts His home. He comes to make holy change in your life. He tells us to walk by faith. Then thirdly, he wants us to pray that we would know the love of Christ. And we say, oh, I got that one down. I know Jesus loves me and Jesus loves all the little children. Well, that's good. But he obviously is taking us deeper. He's taking us deeper here. (laughs) Look at it. Verse 17 He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded. You get the idea there. He's going deep here with this. He's not just giving a surfacey, you know, children's song. He's going deep, growing rooted and grounded in love. He could have stopped there, but he then said that you may be able to comprehend another word of knowing With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So he wants us to pray that for each other. Pray that for other people. To know which, to know every which way you can know about the love of God. That's why he gives these words here. You get that? He's saying every which way. Think about the love of God. As he demonstrated the breadth of the love of God going off into every which way direction for the whole world. Every people, every tribe, every tongue. He wants to have representatives from every tribe, every tongue in his family. And so the love of God, the breadth of the love of God and the length, the length of the love of God. This is a time issue, folks. It's been since eternity past. We can't even fathom that. He loved us long before we even knew it. And again, I say this and sometimes you've been a Christian. If you've been a Christian a long time, you just kind of glaze over that. Oh yeah, he loves us. But somehow, folks, friend, somehow we need to break through that, uh, that glaze and, and get down to saying, you know what? He loves me. Even when I'm not thinking of him, he loves me. Even when I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, he loves me. It's an amazing love. We see it in Jeremiah 31.3. I have loved you with what? An everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. So the, the length of his love is from eternity past. Then the height, the height of his love. His love reaches down and his love lifts us up to the heavenlies. Blessed beyond measure. We can't even measure. Psalm 103. For as high as the heavens... Are above the earth. 
So great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. There's that issue of holiness again. And then the depth. The depth. Listen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He delivered him up for us all. The love of God. While we're yet sinners. While we're still enemies with God. It shows the depth to which he was willing to go. Enemies against God. Rejecting him. Pushing him away. Saying, no, we don't believe in God. No, there's no God. Or he's an unfair God. Whatever. No. Jesus came forth. Born of a virgin. Lived a spotless, perfect life. And went to Calvary and died in your place. And took on the wrath of God for you. Took on God's punishment against your sin. He stepped in and saved the day for you. Unless you have not believed in him. If you've not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're on your own in that case. You do not have the the refuge, the covering of a savior. And you cannot work in your own effort and strength to make things right with God because your righteousness falls short of the glory of God. Just like mine does. That's why I needed and you need a savior. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a four-dimensional kind of love then. The breadth, the length, the height, the depth. Every which way you turn can be, here's the love of Christ. The hymn. We don't sing it much here, but it's still an awesome hymn. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He would send His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. The love of God. It goes beyond all that we can express and imagine. Do you know that love of God? With all the stuff going on in life, will you let that truth sink in and let the blessing of God come upon your life right there with that idea, with that truth? And then he's not done. He he says he wants us to grow, to pray this way, to be strengthened in the inner man, to have Christ dwell in our hearts by faith, to know the love of Christ. It's like then he explains it all in these four dimensional ways. And now you think he's done. He's not done. (laughs) He then says, look at it. In verse 19, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. He wants it, folks. Christian, he wants you to be overwhelmed. He wants you to be overwhelmed. This is God's design for you. Not just new feeling. We get into feeling. Oh, I got a new feeling. You know, this is cool. But it wanes. It, it fails. <laughs> but going by faith in, in what he's doing, he, he's come to give us a new life. <laughs> he wants us not just to be filled, but to be controlled by the fullness of God. It's God's provision of himself. He's the treasure that you and I need to be satisfied in. He's the treasure. Not some secret formula. Jesus is the treasure that He wants us to be filled with the very fullness of God. So what does it require? Well, to be filled with something requires that you got to what? Empty out the vessel. Empty out the vessel. 
That's what it, it really it comes back to. I need to empty myself of myself. You need to empty yourself of yourself. That's really what he wants. That's what he's teaching us in the word of God. That you'd learn to say no to self and yes to him. That he would increase. That I would decrease. The content of Paul's prayer is regarding spiritual strength, growth in faith, and ever-growing knowledge of his love. So the more we focus on this, the closer we can be filled up to all the fullness of God. And finally, number three, the crown of prayer. The crowning of prayer, if you will, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church. So letter A under number three is honoring his work. Now, what's so great about his work is that it's transcendent. Say that with me, class. Transcendent. Good, I like that. Transcendent is the idea that goes beyond what we're used to. Way beyond what we're used to. And that's what his work has done. He's got transcendent power that he wants to put on display for his glory. And so it's kind of sad how we don't hear more in our prayers and with praying with each other about the greatness of God, the might of God. He's a mighty God. He's a most high God. He's a perfectly holy God. And so the more we have the eyes of faith, the more we can see God at work. I tell you, there's times here just in the recent last couple of months, Brennan, myself, uh, and Sarah, we talk about things that are going on. And you know what? It's a neat corner to turn when we start to turn and talk about God's blessing. God's at work. Do you know God's at work in your life? Do you know God's at work around you? Do you know that? Will you give him credit and look for those ways that he's working in your life and in our church? Don't get caught up with the, yeah, there's all sorts of bad stuff to look at and focus on. I know it. I'm just like the next guy. I can focus on that. No, man. That's not a response of faith in a mighty, awesome, transcendent, powerful God. That's what he's saying here. Let's, let's finish our prayers, so to speak, with this crowning moment. Look at how awesome he is. It's all about his provision. Him who is able. Do you think that God is able? Uh, not for me that really much. No, I'm, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I do that. I think that. He's, this prayer, friend, this prayer is going out to Christians just like us back in Ephesus. This wasn't to a, a group of, you know, highfalutin theologians or whatever. This is just, here it is, to regular people praying this way. Here's the content of this prayer. And so he's turning to say, and just remember, he who is able to do, he's able to do. And then, this is incredible. This is language that would just keep stretching us. Far more. 
He's able to do far more than we can know. Not far more. It's far more than what? Abundantly. Let's throw that one in. He's done. No, he's not done. Far more abundantly. Now it's beyond. It's beyond. He's lost me. (laughs) He's able to do far more abundantly beyond what? All. Not some. All. That we ask or think. Our minds in regards to asking or thinking in prayer is limited. And so we need to get stretched by the... Here's here's who God is. Here's what He's able to do. He's able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And it's according to His power that works within the higher echelon of Christianity. Did you catch that? It's only for the higher echelon that his power works according, you know, it's according to his power that works in that higher, more spiritual group. No, it's for every Christian. The power that works within us, believers. Okay? So, listen. Paul's prayer has emphasized what your genuine, listen, what your genuine spiritual need is. And this verse says that God's ability to meet that need, the needs of His people, always far exceeds their prayers and their thoughts towards God. So we honor God regarding His work. Then letter B, we honor Him regarding His worth, His glory, and His fame. To Him, no one else, to Him alone, not to some group, not to some special cause, to Him alone be the glory. To Him be the glory. The the spotlight's on Him. And it's in the church. To Him be the glory in the church. Not at a conference. Not at a men's conference. Not at men's camp. Not a women's conference. Not women's camp. No. In the church. To Him be the glory in the church. This building is not the church. Believers are the church. So therefore, you and I, are we giving glory to God in our lives Monday through Sunday through the rest of the week, the rest of the month? That's the idea. To Him be the glory. It's the church. Folks, it's His bride. Will you think that with me? It's the bride of Christ, the church, His body. This is the pattern for our lives. Therefore, it should be the pattern of our prayers And then he says that it would be to all generations forever and ever. Twill be my theme in glory. What? Jesus. Jesus and his work to God be the glory. Listen, we're going to wrap it up with this. God does not merely meet our expectations. He would rather blow you away with his blessings. Young people, I want to encourage you about developing a prayer life. A devoted prayer life. He wants us to see and comprehend how great Jesus is. He wants all of us as believers, as his children, to make much of Jesus. To lift him up, to magnify him. Not to magnify our problems or our whatever. 
And so that our lives would reflect more and more, more and more, the glory and praise of knowing Him. This week, work on being a grateful, willing host to the Lord in your heart. Got it? This week, think about that. Be a grateful, willing host to the Lord Jesus that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. Welcome Him today and every day. Welcome Him through grateful prayer. Yield to Him as He carries on His house cleaning work in you. He's going to continue house cleaning in my life and your life. Welcome that and yield to that in His life. And then rest in the measureless love of God for you. That glory in His church would come forth more and more and more. Oh, the wonder of access with God. That's what Paul tells us. We have access with God now. And you can pray, not in an infant way anymore. Abba, Father. That's good. We, let, we need that. Abba, Father. Daddy. Dada. We need that. That's good. But now to take this and use this in praying for one another, that spiritual strength, the, the strengthening of the inner person for your wife, for your husband, for your children, for your friends, for people in the fellowship here, that we encourage people in this way. And we pray Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that we would know the love of Christ, which passes comprehension. Let's stand together. In closing, we're gonna, I'm going to read this very passage that we just looked over. Bow your heads, please. Oh God, we ask that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. That we would be rooted and grounded in love. That we'd have strength to comprehend with all the saints, all the brothers and sisters, what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Lord, that we might be filled with all the fullness of God to give you praise and glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. We hope to see you tonight, right here. Hymn sing, specials, baptism, and across the way with fellowship time. God bless you. You're dismissed.